0: Hi everyone and welcome to episode 2 of Build It Higher. I've got a good episode for you guys today. In regards to the first episode, I know that it's had its issues and I'm hoping to clear those up in this episode, but I'm learning as I go along. Some of the issues from the last episode had to do with audio quality, pace of the episode, and the way I delivered content. Thanks for all those who gave me feedback, it's been very much appreciated. I've decided to rethink my formula a bit and I'll be taking a slightly different approach when making this episode. It's constantly evolving and I'm trying to make the best thing for everybody out there listening. As I previously mentioned, I'm a college student studying Structural Engineering and this personal project here has given me a new appreciation for all the work and thought that go into these buildings. I mean, it's amazing. Just the advancement of how high these buildings have gotten is mind-blowing. Just 100 years ago, the tallest building in the world was only 792 feet. It's the Woolworth Building located in Lower Manhattan and at the time that was immense. The thought of a man-made structure that high was inconceivable by many, and their building practices were wildly different than what we have today in terms of speed, safety, managing and cost. Not even 100 years later, the current tallest skyscraper was completed in 2009, the Burj Khalifa, at a staggering 2,717 feet, almost 3.4 times taller. So without further ado, for today's episode, I'm going to focus on One World Trade Center, I promised you a beefier episode and there was just a ton of content about this building. Even after recording this, I feel like i barely scratched the surface about what this structure really holds. Before I talk about One World Trade, I wanna talk about the structures that once stood around where it's currently located. Completed in December of 1970 and July of 1971, the newly constructed World Trade Centers were the tallest structure of any kind at the time. It dethroned the 1,250 foot Empire State Building also located in Manhattan from its 41 year reign, by 118 feet. The two towers became a staple of the Manhattan skyline. The Twin Towers, as they were called, each contained an impressive 110 floors and outside observation deck having unparalleled views of the surrounding area. At the time, the height of the towers was such a limiting factor that if you wanted to reach the top, you had to get off at sky lobbies to board another elevator that took you to your destination within the towers. This wasn't a new concept but you don't see these sorts of things in today's recently built skyscrapers. The structural firm at the time, known as Worthington, Skilling, heel and Jackson was tasked with making the work of lead architect Minoru Yamasaki a reality. They developed a tube frame structural system to be used in the construction of the tower. A tube frame design is very efficient in resisting wind and seismic loads. These types of structures that are designed to act like a hollow cylinder. It can typically be made from concrete or steel and there are many variations on how a structure like this can be built. The World Trade Center contained a concrete core running up the center of the building to act as a hollow tube and was reinforced with steel columns. Inside this concrete core you'd find your elevators, bathrooms, utility areas, etc. The World Trade Center was one of the first skyscrapers built with this method and it proved to work very well. It was an efficient design that allowed buildings to be very tall without costing too much. For the 30 years that they stood It was the office of 50,000 workers and over 200,000 daily visitors. There were a few notable times where the World Trade Center brought international attention. The first one was within a year of when the towers were completed. In August of 1974, a tightrope artist named Philippe Petit snuck up to the 110th floor of the South Tower and set up a tightrope across the towers without permission. He went on to walk across the tightrope in a stunt that lasted 45 minutes and was promptly arrested afterwards. It was referred to as the artistic crime of the century by many. This event spawned many books, movies, and documentaries to be made about it. My personal favorite is a documentary called Man on Wire. I highly recommend it if you're looking for something to watch one day. Another incident that brought international attention was a bombing that happened in '93, With the intent of bringing down the North Tower, a 1,300-pound bomb in the back of a truck was detonated by terrorists working for Al-Qaeda. The bomb did not bring down the tower, but instead took the lives of six people and injured over a thousand more. As a result of this, multiple security upgrades were made in an attempt to create a safer tower. On September 11, 2001, there were a series of coordinated terrorist attacks led once again by Al-Qaeda that brought the towers down. In addition to an attack on the Pentagon and an attempted attack on the nation's capital, Two fully fueled passenger jets struck each tower bringing each one down due to fire related structural failures. A total of 2,996 people died and injured thousands of others. Later that night the 48-story 7 World Trade Center, another building of the complex, collapsed due to debris that struck it during the initial collapse and a lingering fire that collapsed the structure. It was a single worst attack carried out on American soil. The results of the attack was a vastly different political landscape putting a focus on national security more than ever, and a worldwide manhunt for the perpetrators. All in all, it took over $3 trillion to rebuild and rectify the situation. The cleanup effort alone took eight months to complete. It wasn't known what would be done with the site in the immediate aftermath of the incidents. In the months after the cleanup effort, there was almost a sense of urgency to rebuild what was once there. In 2002, there was a competition held by the Lower Manhattan Development Corporation to see what proposals various design firms could come up with. The public completely rejected the first round of designs, so a second round took place. The committee was a bit more lenient with the rules, and it was in this competition that a design by Daniel Liebskin and David Childs won. Skidmore, Owings & Merrill was awarded the architectural contract to build the tower. After the design was picked, there were many slight revisions that were thrown around, but not many really stuck. Some of these proposed ideas included an open-air garden on the top, and a design that only contained 82 floors. One of the more notable attempted design changes came when the NYPD wanted a 187-foot concrete base added to the design, but this was scrapped due to the building looking uninviting, and testing of the materials found that it would have been unsuitable as it shattered into large shards when tests were performed on it. Instead, a simpler, more friendly design of a facade was chosen. It consisted of blast-resistant glass and was accompanied by stainless steel panels that surrounded it. Many new safety precautions had to be taken if the tallest tower in New York were to be rebuilt. If there was any tower that had safety in mind, this was it. Inside, it has a three-foot-thick concrete wall surrounding all stairwells, which are pressurized and extra-wide in case of evacuation, as well as dedicated stairways just for firefighters and maintenance crews. Under the building, there's an advanced screening system for radioactive materials in case a dirty bomb were to find its way there. It'd be detected and taken care of instantly. Many cameras surround the facility, and it has its own state-of-the-art system that can identify unattended bags and facial scanners that can recognize criminals and terrorists. In regards to the core of the building, the Port Authority has stated that the building is composed of a, quote, redundant steel moment frame consisting of beams and columns connected by a combination of welding and bolting paired with concrete core shear wall. The moment frame. "...substantial rigidity and redundancy to the overall building structure while providing a column-free interior span for maximum flexibility." In June of 2005, the final design for the tower was shown. Originally dubbed as the Freedom Tower, which is a name still used by many, the current and legal name of the building is One World Trade Center, which sounds a bit dry in my opinion. Personally, I still call it the Freedom Tower. The foundation of One World Trade Center is 200 by 200 feet, very similar in size to the original World Trade Center, and ground broke in 2006. The foundation walls are said to use 14,000 PSI concrete, which is just insane if you think about it. Most buildings that I've ever worked on only have walls made from 4,000 PSI concrete. In 2008, the building finally reached above the ground level. By early 2009, the tower was finally taking shape. By then it was over 100 feet high, just 1,660 feet shy of its overall height. Some of the steel columns going on the bottom of the building were over 60 feet long and produced in Luxembourg. They're similar to the ones present in the tower's foundation. In 2010, the Port Authority reported that an average of one floor a week was being built and that the structure would reach 55 floors by the end of 2010. The 55th floor wasn't built until January of 2011. But in December of 2010 it was announced that the tower had reached its halfway point of 52 floors. In July of the same year while the tower had already been built a few hundred feet into the sky workers found remains of a sailing ship from the 18th century. It's reported that the ship was used as landfill on the area in the 1770s so it'd be more suitable to build on and aided in Manhattan's expansion at the time. On June 21, 2012, the building was topped out at 1,368 feet, but it was far from complete. It was still mostly a steel skeleton with glass windows being installed on many floors below. In May of 2013, the spire was installed, and it was at this point that the tower stood at its historic height of 1,776 feet. It's officially designated as the tallest building on the Northern Hemisphere, beating out the Willis Tower in Chicago, which previously held the record. The building was opened to its first tenants in November of 2014. In May of 2015, the observatory was finished and it occupies the 102nd floor. The observatory also contains a trio of restaurants called One Cafe, One Mix, which is a bar and grill and a fine dining establishment called One Dining. I'm pretty sure they weren't thinking too hard when coming up with those names. I visited the observatory and it's really something worth seeing if you have the spare time. You get beautiful views from Manhattan from all around And from what I was told, you can see over 40 miles on a clear day. Unfortunately, the day I went was cloudy, but it was a great experience nonetheless. The elevator ride up alone is spectacular. I don't want to ruin the surprise, but trust me, it's well worth it. One World Trade Center is home to many occupants, such as the Port Authority of New York and New Jersey and Condé Nast, which publishes my favorite, Wired Magazine, along with many others. Currently, there are still many unoccupied floors due to high rent costs. It is estimated that One World Trade Center cost about $3.9 billion to build, which didn't come free for commuters into New York City. Rates were raised by over 50% between 2011 and 2015 in order to pay for the tower. The design of the tower is very unique but simple at the same time, and I know it's not everybody's cup of tea, but I really admire the design. The base of the tower is square as well as the roof, but it's rotated 45 degrees, so massive triangles are formed as the walls of the building and as you go up the tower will start to take on an octagonal four floor plan about half the way up before forming back into a slightly smaller square. While One World Trade Center is in my opinion the centerpiece of the new complex, there are other modern and unique structures there also. The 9-11 museum was built just south of where the original tower stood, which is now a memorial as well. The footprints of both buildings are now home to a waterfall, and surrounding that are metal plates of the names of the people who died during the attacks. The other neat structure is the new transportation terminal. It's a large bony white structure that resembles the spinal cord of a fish, if you were to ask me, and it's very neat to look at. Inside of it is a path station as well as stores to shop around in, and it's very nice white open big and beautiful i really recommend you take a walk through it if you're in the area once you're 9 911 the inside of the station called the oculus opens up like an eyelid to expose one world trade center all lit up and it looks very nice the other buildings of the complex are also world trade centers two four and seven which have been completed and three world trade center which is currently being built If you're in Hoboken, which is where I am, you could see it being built from across the river, and it looks like it's going to be another spectacular building once it's completed in 2020. There was a Five World Trade Center that started to be built in 2011, but construction was halted and never resumed. As of right now, there are no plans to rebuild Six World Trade Center. One World Trade Center is an iconic structure that I hope to see stand for the rest of my life. It's a symbol of freedom and hope for New Yorkers, and it's a beacon that represents a fresh start like the Statue of Liberty did decades before it. Anybody should be able to look at it and feel safe.